So last week, Pastor Keith started us off with, uh, we opened up the series on how Jesus is the ultimate game changer, right? Without him and what he did, uh, it's game over. So uh, we ain't even got a chance. His life, death, and resurrection changed the game of faith, eternity, and mankind's relationship with God. Hebrews 8, 6 says, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. So we talked about how last week uh, Jesus really started the whole thing off by dying for us, right? And, uh, man, bringing us salvation. But our first point this week is Jesus changed the game from the Old Testament to the New, Co New Testament, giving us a brand new covenant with God. This new covenant sets us free from the law of sin and death and brings us into the life of the Spirit. So starting off, I just want to I just want to establish to begin with when we're talking about old covenant, new covenant, we're really talking about an agreement. We're really talking about what God has established as the way that he will relate with and deal with us, mankind, right? That's what we're talking about when we say covenant. So in the old covenant, it was the law of sin and death, right? So sin equals death. So in the old covenant, they killed bulls and killed sheep and killed goats as a band-aid, as a cover-up, as a temporary fix. Really, God was just showing us what was to come, that blood was the covering for sin. I, I believe it was really an illustration. I don't, I don't believe that any sin was actually ever covered. But in the new covenant, we're set free from the law of sin and death and brings us into the life of the Spirit. And the Scripture actually talks about the law of the life of the Spirit or the Spirit of life. And the Spirit of life is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of life is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us, right? Do we know that? We know Father God lives in heaven. We know that whenever Jesus went to the cross, that uh, after that he was raised up and now he sits at the right hand of God. So the only part of God that lives on the earth still is the Holy Spirit, right? Very important for us to understand that. So in the old covenant, the law of sin and death, the law of sin and death is really easy. The law of sin, of de the law of sin and death just states that sin equals death and Really, it states that sin, your sin equals your death, right? Now, we covered it up with a bull or a sheep, and we band-aided it with a bull or a sheep, but really the law was your sin equals your death. That was the old law. That was the old agreement. That was the old covenant, right? That's why sinners, Pastor Keith talked about it last week, sinners and, uh, man, God killed them quite a few times in the Old Testament. It says it. But the new covenant sets us free from that law and brings us into the life of the Spirit 
and the law of the spirit of life, which is under the old covenant, your sin equals your death. Under the new covenant, under the new agreement, your sin equals Jesus' death so we can move on. And we don't have to live up under that condemnation and that conviction and that really that, that death row mentality that, that I, I believe was probably prevalent in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. I mean, I, I believe that they probably dealt with that mentally, spiritually, emotionally all the time. So Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And it says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's in agreement with. It's, there's now no condemnation for those who are in agreement with the, the, the Spirit. You don't have to walk in agreement with and in unity with the flesh and the way of the flesh, but in, in unity with the Spirit and in the ways of the Spirit, right? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, man, that is so important that we see that in, man, Scripture right there. We see it in Scripture that we're set free from the law of sin and death and I no longer have to worry about the fact that my sin equals my death. Now I can be confident in the fact that my sin equaled Jesus' death. And now I can move on to the next thing, right? Life after that, right? They say there's life after death, right? Y'all ever heard that? There's life after death. But, but really there's life after Jesus' death. Man. Man, if we don't come alive after Jesus died, okay. <laughs> All right. Under the old covenant, the law brought death. It literally declares all men guilty and disqualified. The new covenant brings the life of the Holy Spirit and qualifies us to be ministers of the gospel. So the old law brought death, and really the old law was all the laws that just pointed to the fact that you were not enough, and that I was not enough, and that I could never measure up, right? That's what the law does. Scripture says the law points and shows us that we ain't good enough and we can't make it, right? The new covenant brings to life of the Holy Spirit and qualifies us to be ministers of the gospel. In the scripture, Jesus said, it's more beneficial for you that I would go because whenever I go, then I can send the comforter and then I can send your help to you, right? So the new covenant, the new way that God relates with us is now you get to be alive. Not, not just physically, but now you can be alive spiritually, right? The new covenant brings the life of the Holy Spirit and qualifies us to be ministers of the gospel. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, the old thing that's passed away is our old life, right? And our old flesh that, that died with Christ. But also the old thing that's passed away is, man, the old agreement, the old covenant with how God was going to relate with us, right? That's dead and gone now. Behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. The whole thing, this whole big play with Jesus, with Adam and Eve in the garden, with Job, with all of us, the whole thing is centered around, man, what Jesus done to put us back in right relationship with God. That was his end goal. That's what he had in mind from the very beginning. He wanted to be friends with us, man. He wanted to hang out with us. And he had to make a way for us to be put back into right relationship with him. Even if Adam and Eve hadn't ascended in the garden, I said this last week at Celebrate, and I thought it was pretty good. Even if Adam and Eve, you know, because we blame them for bringing sin into the world, right? And they did. I mean, Adam ate that apple. It was a big deal. But y'all think about this. If Adam hadn't ascended in the garden to begin with, and everything was perfectly still clean and pure, then a couple thousand years later, by the time I came along, I'd have ate it. <laughs> I would have. I would have. And see what, and the Bible says that, that that apple looked pleasing to the eye. I bet it smelled good. I mean, it even says that uh, they knew that it was going to make them real smart. You know what I mean? So who would not have ate it, right? So let me ask you this question. Same question I asked it to celebrate. Has anybody, and, it, and this is really a, I'm a celebrate pastor. It's really a celebrate question, but man, sin's across the board, right? We got sin in here, anybody? He's, all right, yeah. So, so anybody ever just been in a good situation, man? Had a had a new house. I mean, they've come up out of addiction. They've come up out of sexual immorality, man. They've come up out of their old life. Uh, may, maybe it was rocky for a while, but something happened, man. God intervened. Somebody intervened in your life. And, and now all of a sudden you find yourself in this new house, right? And, and it's clean, it's spotless, right? There ain't no sin in there. There ain't, no, there ain't no drugs, so to speak, in there. There ain't no sexual immorality. It's almost like a brand new fresh start, right? Anybody ever, ever kind of experienced that in, so, in, in a way, metaphorically maybe? No? Nobody? All right. Well, I, I've kind of experienced that kind of thing before. Anyway. Man, I, I tell you, for, for the folks that, that, that have been in that situation, they'll tell you that even in that situation, man, with that, with that spotless house and with, ever that, with that brand new start, man, what, what have we done before? Man, we went out there and we've got some drugs and we brought it back into the clean house, right? And we went out there and we've scooped us up some sexual immorality and we brought it in there too and defiled it again, right? So the truth is that it, that, that, yeah, Adam, Adam did it, but we'd have did it too, right? Okay. So the new covenant, under the old covenant and the old way that God dealt with man, we was disqualified. But under the new covenant, 
under his new way with dealing with man. The life of the Holy Spirit, man, the Holy Spirit qualifies us to be ministers of the gospel, right? So, so let me get back to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. It literally declares all men guilty. That's my point. Sorry. Look, I'm getting ahead of myself. Slow down, James. Holy Spirit, help me. Don't be nervous. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, uh, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new." Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word or the ministry of reconciliation. So I just want you to see that this, this whole thing with Jesus dying for our sins, it was to save us, but it was beyond that. That's not where it stopped, man. He, he made us right so that we could be a part of other people being made right with God. Other people being put back into a right relationship with Christ. How important that is. If God saves you and you stop right there and you just stay in your little bubble of salvation, how sad it would be knowing that God's empowered you by the Holy Spirit. He's, given, he's given you energy and passion and drive and gifts and talents that you would be able to go be an apostle in the world to be sent by God that's what the word apostle means man you was born every one of us was born to be sent by God into the world to accomplish his will what's his will that man would be reconciled and put back into right relationship with himself how do we accomplish that the same way that the disciples accomplished it, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They was given wisdom and knowledge. They was given uh, all kinds of stuff, right? The Holy Spirit empowered them. Courage, right? Okay. So the new covenant brings the life of the Holy Spirit and qualifies us to be ministers of the gospel. Romans 3, 19 through 20 says, Obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. That was the purpose of the law, was to point to the fact that we was not enough, right? For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. That's what the scripture says. And I said in the first service that of all the laws that there was, you know, the Ten Commandments plus the, I mean, I think it was 600 or something. I mean, there was quite a few of them. But even if we could have held up all the law, even if we could have not broke a single law, we would still not be living up to the expectation, the, the standard of righteousness. Because the standard of righteousness goes beyond the law always. Keep that in mind, always. The standard of righteousness is always past the law. 
It's always above the law. It's always beyond it. And that's what Christ did. That's what Jesus did. And that's what it talks about right there in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If Jesus would have lived on the earth a perfect, sinless, spotless life and, been, and, and never done anything wrong or whatever and just stopped right there, well, that would have been pretty good, right? But we would still be in really bad shape. I, 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 believe, I believe Christ would have stopped short of righteousness had he not did what he did, which was go further than that. What was the further? It was not him being right, although he was. It was the him being right and then grabbing us and setting us into a place of right relationship with God. That, man, is the center of attention. That God would give himself that we would be in relationship. Man, that we could be friends with God. That was the righteous thing that God did. Under the old covenant, we were powerless to overcome the weakness of our flesh, the devil, and this world's systems. But the new covenant empowers us by the Holy Spirit to walk in victory over the world, our flesh, and the devil. So in the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit, see, before Jesus. Let me back up. Let me back up. It's really important. Boy, I'm about to miss something real important. You don't ever want to do that. This is real important. Jesus changed the game from the Old Testament to the New Testament, giving us a brand new covenant with God. This new covenant sets us free from the law of sin and death and brings us into the life of the Spirit. I just want to say that in the Old Covenant, under the old way that God dealt with man, in the Old Testament, before Jesus was crucified, man, you had to have a priest to go into the tabernacle for you, to go into the temple for you, to make a sacrifice for your sin. There always had to be a priest in between you and God, right? You never got to go into his presence. You didn't get to talk directly with him. You didn't get to hear from him. Man, the priest told you what God said. That was how it was. So if you didn't get to talk to the priest for a week or a year or whatever, I mean, it was a long time before you even got to hear from God. But when Jesus went to the cross, the scripture says that in the temple the veil was torn. That big old thick bull hide. Man, that big old thick tanned leather. I don't even know how tall that thing was or whatever, man. It was not easy to rip, but man, the... The valuable thing that we take from that is the reflection of what happened in the spirit realm. Man, you couldn't go behind that veil. Only the priest could go behind that thing. And only once a year, after he'd washed off real good, killed a bunch of stuff, you know, and sprinkled blood and all that, could he even go in there. Regular folks couldn't go in there. That's the way it was in the old covenant, in the old agreement. God said, I'll agree to do business with you like this, but only you can go in there because I'll kill everybody else and I might kill you too. That's what he said pretty much, right? So that was the way it was done. But when Jesus went to the cross, man, it's so important. The scripture says that the veil was torn. And that's a perfect representation of what happened at the cross. Man, Jesus opened up relationship, communion, fellowship, intimacy, now, all of a sudden, you don't need a priest. Now, all of a sudden, you're a priest. 
Now, now, now the scripture says that Jesus really was the priest, and he was. He is our ultimate priest, right? But you get to go into the most holy place and meet with God. So under the new covenant, if you don't meet with God, if you don't hear from him, if you don't talk to him, if you, if you don't come into his presence and sit at his feet, and just be real quiet to see if he's got anything to say. If you don't do that, see, now you don't get to blame it on the priest. Because it's not his fault anymore. Now it's your fault. And that's something that we really take for granted. That's something that I really take for granted. The fact that I have 24-7 access to go into the most holy place and sit quietly or run my trap before God or whatever and just, I mean... How valuable is that? How much do we take that for granted, right? In the old covenant, everybody wanted to, to be able to talk to God and, and have him come on. The Holy Spirit would come on people in the old covenant sometimes in the Old Testament, but it'd just be for a moment, right, to accomplish a mission or something. The Spirit might come on somebody, and uh, Samson might take the jawbone of a donkey and slay a thousand Philistines. But then the spirit was gone, and he might have lived the rest of his life without that ever happening again. You know what I'm saying? How lonely was that after you experienced fellowship with God like that, right? So, okay, we're qualified to be ministers of the gospel. The veil was torn. We have access to God, man, by the Holy Spirit. He lives in us, right? I, and I made a note. In the Old Covenant... God marked his people. Y'all remember how? It was in the flesh. Circumcision. That's the way it was. In the old covenant, if you was God's people, you was marked by circumcision. In the new covenant, God marked you again. You remember how he marked you in the new covenant? It says, and they will know you. He's talked to his disciples. They'll know that you're mine because you love one another, right? That's what he said. Not an outward sign, but it's in the spirit now. All right. Under the old covenant, we were powerless to overcome the weakness of our flesh, the devil, and this world system. But the new covenant empowers us by the Holy Spirit to walk in victory. Consider the Old Testament saints. Adam lived in a perfect world but still sinned. Adam lied about Sarah and gave his wife to another man. David, a man after God's heart, committed adultery and murder. And then Peter, who lived under both covenants, went from denying Christ three times to boldly preaching Christ, and 3,000 people were saved. So, so that's a testament of the power of the Spirit, right? The new covenant empowers us by the Holy Spirit to walk in victory over the world. At Celebrate Recovery, I do a, a, a lesson called Powerless, and it's got an acrostic, P-O-W-E-R-L-E-S-S, and... Uh, the Holy Spirit really quickened it on my heart. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, let me say this. In the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, God had established that as the way that he was going to deal with men, right? And whether you believed it or whether you didn't believe it, that was the way it was. You didn't have to believe it for it to be true, right? And under the New Covenant, the same thing is true. God has said, this is now the way that I'm going to relate with man and that I'm going to deal with man. And whether you believe it or whether you don't believe it, it's true. But 
whether you believe it and whether you understand it or not is a major game changer because, think about this, if you still believe that God's mad at you, then you're not going to be likely to spend very much time in his presence because, because you're really going to feel like kind of like this, right? If you believe that God's waiting on you to get right spiritually so that he can use you in the world, then you'll just keep right on waiting, right? But if you already understand that Jesus picked you up and put you back in right relationship with him and that you're not stained except with by the blood of Jesus Christ, which is a beautiful thing, right? So you're not stained. See, if you know that, man, you'll go boldly. You'll go boldly into the world. But if you think that God's mad at you and waiting on you to get your life right, you'll just keep on waiting. So what you believe and what you understand really, really matters. That's why it's so important that we read the Word, and that's why it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit and that we talk to Him and listen for Him so He can interpret the Word to us and so that He can inspire us and give us wisdom so that we can know, man, how to live, right? Okay, let me get back to this. So in the, in the powerless, the first letter in the acrostic is P, and it stands for pride. And I just really felt like the, the Lord showed me that, that these could be indicators that could show you how you're operating, right? So if you're operating in pride and you find yourself time and time again dwelling in a place of pride or living from, it could be an indicator that you're still operating under an old covenant mentality. Maybe it's because you're living under the old covenant mentality and you're still trying to uphold all the laws. And if you're doing a really good job, then maybe that's got you puffed up. So you're operating out of pride. Or maybe, maybe you're living under an old covenant mentality or not living under that mentality at all. Maybe, maybe you don't need God at all and you think that you got this life whooped pretty good. And that'll puff you up with some pride, right? The next letter is O, only ifs or if onlys. Man, if you find yourself constantly living from a place of thinking backwards, Thinking it yesterday, if I'd only did that different, or if I'd only not did that, or if they'd only not did that, it can be an indicator that you could be living from an old covenant mentality. Because under the new covenant, so you already know that, that God's working all things together for your good, right? So if he is, even though I messed that up, God's done fixed that, spun it around, and got me on another track, heading in the right direction. See, if you're operating under the new covenant, then you can move forward in that. It motivates you to a place of life whenever you're living by the Spirit. Under the old covenant, we were bound by the letter of the law. But the new covenant liberates us by the Spirit of truth. We were bound by the letter of the law in the old covenant it was really all about, or so it seemed, all about restriction, all about don't cross that line, don't say that, make sure you do that, make sure you offer the sacrifice at just the right time, make sure you don't mess up, right? That kind of seemed like the theme or the spirit of the old covenant. 
But the new covenant liberates us by the spirit of truth, empowering us to live a life that honors God. And as I was studying this, really the Lord quickened to my heart the, the two Hebrew midwives. Y'all remember in Exodus, whenever they was living in bondage and slavery, and uh, Pharaoh told them two midwife girls, he said, listen, he said, whenever the Hebrew women's going to give birth, he said, he said, if it's a boy, kill it, and if it's a girl, you can let it live. Y'all remember that? So I've always kind of had a little trouble with that scripture. Keith Tucci and, and one of my other friends shed some light on it, but uh, they didn't do it, right? They knew that that was wrong to kill them Hebrew babies, so they didn't do it. So a little while later, Pharaoh came back to him, and he said, Hey, you remember, I told y'all y'all was supposed to be killing all them boys, and they said, y'all remember what they said? They said, well, Pharaoh, you don't really understand. Them Hebrew girls, they ain't like them regular Egyptian girls. Whenever they give birth, I mean, it, I mean they're vigorous. It, they have baby before we can even get there, so we really ain't even had a chance to do it. You know what I'm saying? That's what they told him. Now, I knew. Here's the, here, here was the problem that I had. I knew that they was doing the right thing, but I thought it was a conflict of Scripture because I thought even though they was doing the right thing by not killing the babies, I thought, God, I know they lying. I know they lied. They, they, they were seeing the babies born, right? They was there. I mean, they may have been a little bit more vigorous, but I'm sure they was lying. I'm sure of it. So was they in the wrong? If they'd have been operating, see, this is what I think is so cool, man. I had a lot of fun with this. I think it was the Lord. I really think this is the Lord, uh, man, letting somebody. That means I'm supposed to hurry up, I think. I got a few more minutes, 15 more minutes. Listen. I really think it was God, man, man, relating with people on the earth, even in the Old Testament, in a new covenant fashion. Because think about this, if they'd have been operating strictly under the law, well, one, they would not have been lying, right? Isn't that true? But the new covenant liberates us by the spirit of truth, empowering us to live a life that honors God. What the Hebrew midwives did, man, it was, it was honoring to God. They was lying, but this is this, this what I felt like I got from that conference. Man, it was so good. They were standing with truth. Now, they deceived Pharaoh. But they was really standing with and for the spirit of truth, right? They was empowered. They was empowered, I believe, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. It don't say that the Holy Spirit come on them and told them to tell a fib or deceive him, but I believe the Holy Spirit come on them and said, man, don't let him know what's really going on or whatever. Anyway, I think it was God dealing with them in a new covenant fashion to give us a sign of what was coming. So... Listen, if y'all tell Pastor Keith whenever he comes back that I told y'all it was all right to lie, then I'll be, I really will be in a lot of trouble because I ain't supposed to say that. And I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is, under the new covenant, under the new way that God deals with, man, with us, man, he empowers us. See, in John it says that Jesus came full of grace and truth, right? Man, he empowers us with grace and with truth. What was the true thing for the Hebrew midwives to do? Not kill them babies. 
Jesus came full of grace and truth. I used to think that grace was only God covering up my accidents and my sin and my mess. And, and he does that. He did that. Jesus did that. He covered all my stuff. It's all covered, and I'm so thankful for that. But he didn't stop there, and that's really the theme of this message. Man, whenever Jesus left, he died and went to heaven. Man, he went a step further, and that's really the theme of this whole message. He went further, and that's righteousness. He went further than the law. And that was he sent the Holy Spirit, not just to save us, but to bring us to a life of power, man, to bring us to a life of victory, really to move us into a place of reconciliation where we're now ministers of the same thing he ministered to us, right? And that, and that theme, that thread runs all the way through Scripture. If you read Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, or because he was merciful, right? That's why. Because he was. What's God's mercy? That he saved us. So because of what God did for you, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, let us offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That word spiritual there really is logikos, and it just really means, man, this is logically. This is logically or rationally how you worship God, by giving your life as a sacrifice. See, really God said, Jesus said, I died, watch me, now you die. That's what he's calling us to is death. He's calling us to take up our cross. I mean, that sounds really bad, but, but man... What you'll learn the longer you become a Christian, and I'm just now starting to figure it out a little bit of time. It's a pretty tough lesson is that, and, he, and Pastor Keith said it last week or two weeks ago. The level of responsibility that you're operating right now, in right now, if you're a growing Christian, then what you're operating under right now is the lowest level of responsibility that you will ever operate under ever again. Because God's always calling us higher. And he's always calling us to give up more of ourself and live more for him, right? Hebrews chapter 12, 1, the same little 12, 1, I like numbers, it's kind of funny. Uh, Therefore, now that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is marked out for us. Looking unto Jesus. Y'all check this out. It's the same thing as Romans 12.1. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Right? That's what it says. So it says, for the joy that was set before him, what was the joy that was set before Jesus as he was looking towards the cross? It wasn't the cross. That wasn't the joyful thing. It was beyond the cross. He seen something past death. What was it? It was us being made right with him, being put back into right relationship with him. It's the center of the message of the cross. It's the center of the message of the gospel. 
God wants you. He likes you. He died for you. And he died and sent his Holy Spirit that you'd be empowered to live a life for him. Temporarily a life of death until we ain't got that no more one day. Praise God. The Spirit of Truth, man, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life that honors God. The law restricts us, truth sets us free. The law tells us what we can't do. The Spirit of Truth empowers us to be changed into His glorious image. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, says John 8. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. John 16, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And he always says what Jesus says. All right, let's see. You don't want to miss nothing. You don't want to forget nothing. All right. Led by the Spirit, not controlled by the flesh. It's in Romans, it says talking about now now we don't have to be controlled by our old flesh nature and actually the NIV and several other translations uses the it, it translates it to sinful nature you don't have to be controlled by your sinful nature any longer but it's deeper than just a sinful nature that's not a perfect translation of what that word means the, the word in the Greek is actually sarx, S-A-R-X, and it's the exact same word that's used of Jesus in John whenever the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Y'all remember that? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So did Jesus become the sinful nature? Yeah, He did on the cross. But He was spotless before that, right? So the Word became flesh. It's something more than just sinful nature. It's not the Spirit. It's what it is. So you don't have to be controlled by that part of you that's not the Spirit. What you eat, what you drink, what you smoke, what you watch. You don't have to be controlled by that anymore, right? Because the new covenant empowers us by the Holy Spirit. To, to be led is, is really... See, here, here, here's a contrast between the flesh and the Spirit. The flesh always tries to control. You notice that? That's why whenever your stomach makes that sound, he says, I want you to go get something to eat right now. And if you don't listen, he'll say it louder. He'll actually yell at you, won't he? I mean, your flesh, man, will holler and speak rudely to you because his desire is to control you. And I've always heard it's, it's real good. You know, the flesh 
makes a wonderful servant, but a horrible master, right? A wonderful servant, but a horrible master. Man, if you rule over your flesh by the power of the Spirit, if you see what God says, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you sit down with Him and you hear Him and you're talking to Him, and he'll, he'll lead you and guide you in all wisdom. He'll encourage you and give you power and speak truth to you. And he'll help you to be bold, right? Whenever he says, go, go tell that guy that I, that I, God, love him, even though you're real timid, you'll be empowered, right? You'll be empowered by the grace of God. The grace of God, let me say this. The grace of God, remember I said I used to think it was just only God covering up my stuff, but really it's more than that. The grace of God lifts us up, and it's really power. His grace is power. And it's the best illustration I ever heard to understand what that is. So if you're a farmer and you bale hay, then you got them big old giant round bales out in the pasture, and you got to go pick them up, and you got to carry them over and feed them to your cows, right? Well, on your own strength, you have no way of moving the bales because they weigh a 1,000 pounds, right? But with the tractor, man. Now you can drive out there and use the hydraulics on that sucker, pick up the bell of hay. The hydraulics, the tractor, is really like grace, man. It's God's grace. It's his supernatural help for us to lift a weight that's more than what we can tote. That's grace, man. Now you still got to get on the tractor. Even if it's cold outside, even when it's raining, when the cows are hungry, you got to get on the tractor. When God says, feed my sheep, man, you gotta, you got to climb on that thing. Put a rain jacket on, extra jacket, boots, and go get on the tractor. And you still got to do it. That's the thing about grace. You still got to do it. God reconciled us and put us back in right relationship with himself so that we could be in the ministry of reconciliation. But we still got to do it. We still got to go. We still got to speak. We still got to... Now, whatever it is that God's called you to do, you still got to do it. But it's really cool because he's empowered you with this superhuman tractor strength. And you can pick up all them bales by his grace. And, and you think of all the things that God ever called men on the earth to do. You know, the, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith. All the things that God told all them guys to do. I mean, we think like, wow, like, man, that they did that. Like, think with Noah, for example. Man, grace of God was on him to build that boat, man, how big it was. But you know what really happened? God told him to build the boat. So the next morning he got up and had some eggs and coffee. And he kissed his wife and went out there and put on his tool belt, tool belt and he, he started cutting down some trees and stuff. Uh, he probably spent days cutting down trees, right? Probably months, just cutting down lumber, man. And then when the next part of the process came, he started, he, he'd hold a board up there and then he'd put a nail in it. Anybody in here ever drove a nail in a board? Some people in here do that for a living. There's, there's men in this building that's built some stuff man I'm talking about some projects I mean I mean and you and you look at it when you're driving down the road and you're like my gosh what a feat and it was 
But really, they got up there and put their tool belt on every morning, and then they hammered the nail, man, and then they checked it, and then they done that, and then they poured some concrete in the hole, right? That's, that's what it really looks like. That's what it really looked like. What about Abraham? He's one of the heroes of the faith, right? And we think, man, what Abraham did. But you know what really happened? God said, hey, listen, you and your wife, man, I'm going to send you all somewhere else, and I'm going to do this major big thing inside of you. You know what I mean? The, the whole earth's going to be blessed, all the descendants, all your descendants. I mean, the kings is going to come out of you and all this stuff. But then what did he tell Adam to do? What was Adam's part? Listen, I want you to pack all your stuff up, get a tent, get some extra food and stuff, and I want you to go over there. I mean, I know you don't really know where exactly I'm sending you yet, uh, but I'll tell you as you go. You just go. Just go over there. And then he got a little ways down the road, and he said, just set up a tent. Go sleep, man. That's what it really looked like for Abraham. Right? That's what really, that's what God really calls us to do. He calls us to get up in the morning, eat some oatmeal, drink a little coffee, right? And then go. And then whenever he, he says, speak, speak. Whenever he says, shut up, shut up. Right? All right. Okay, let's see. You don't want to miss nothing. Romans 10, 10. And I, and I said this earlier, but I'll touch on it again. Romans 10.10 10 is, is, is the most famous salvation scripture, right? It's the one we use. Uh, it says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved, right? That's what the scripture says. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And then it says, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And what does justified mean? Justified means, uh, one, one, one explanation says it means to be made just as if you'd never sinned, right? Justification is, is really like reconciliation. It's being put back right in a relationship with God. I think it's really neat in relation to this message that it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. So if you believe... And the Word of God, if you believe that God's good, if you believe that He's going to treat you like what His new covenant way of treating you says, and that makes a difference, right? You've got to agree with God, right? Okay. Uh, one more. The Holy Spirit removes the veil and allows us to see the glory of the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that removes the veil. The veil of the Old Covenant, the veil of the law, that tricks us into thinking it's just all about being good and not being bad. That's really, that's really the veil. Once we can see it, Him. Once we can see Him. We're now capable of reflecting His glory into a world lost in darkness. Then as we see and reflect, we are changed more and more into His image. This only happens under the new covenant. Praise God. 
I, I used the explanation this morning, the illustration about the sun and the moon. I really like the moon. It's real beautiful. Uh, and the sun, I don't know if y'all seen it this morning, it's real foggy. When it's not foggy, you can't hardly look at the sun, you know, because he's so bright. I mean, it, it's so bright. But this morning, it was so foggy, you could see it. I mean, it was like it was burning a hole through the atmosphere. It was crazy. But the moon, it has no light of its own, right? It's, it's really a lot like us. See, we ain't real bright. But, but the sun is, right? He is. And then the world, so you got the sun, that's Jesus. And then you got the moon, and that's us. Born again believers, man, that's been saved, been made right with Him. That's us. We're the moon. And then you got the world. And if you read the Bible, the, the, the Bible kind of loosely refers to those that are not his as the world, right? If you're not born again, God, God many times kind of refers to you loosely as the world. We even talked about the world system, right? It's just the ways of the world. You know, they're not his ways. His ways are different. So the world, man, that's, that's those that, are, that don't know him. So at nighttime, whenever you can't see Jesus, you can see the moon while it's dark so and we're, and we're wrapping up but for those of you that's born again man you've been saved and you've been put back in right relationship with God my question and my encouragement to you this morning is when people look at you what do they see? Do they see mostly you or do they see mostly him? Especially when it's dark outside. Because you know what's real bright in here? I mean, Jesus, he's all in this place. You know, the sun's shining and everything. So so in here, it's not, it's not so much of a big deal because it's real easy, right, to, to kind of look like him in here. I mean, we, we done practiced this a long time. So every time I come in here, I don't look as much like him out there. But then whenever I walk in the door on my way back there to get coffee, the more I'm in here, the more I look like him because it's just real easy. You know, it's kind of like kind of like swimming underwater. You can hold your breath for a little while, right? While you're in church, you can kind of hold your breath and, and make it. But, but, man, whenever you walk outside this door, it's kind of like going out in the dark, right? And that's when the people of the world are looking at you. See, whenever you get in that real tough situation at work and everybody's watching to see whether you cheat the paperwork or whether you really believe that God's good and that righteousness and truth prevails. Whenever everybody's telling them jokes and, you know, there ain't nobody around that would be mad at you if you did tell a dirty joke. So why not just, you know, so then you slip one in, you know, in the darkness real easy out there right but that's when they're looking that's when they can see what you're reflecting it's at night whenever Jesus ain't really around right whenever Jesus is everywhere it's less important but whenever it's dark man and he ain't nowhere to be seen you're the moon man you're the only light they got so my encouragement to you if you've been born again man is 
just to check yourself, what, what, what does the world see when they see me? Am I reflecting God? Is the Holy Spirit shining through me to reflect the power of God and the goodness of God? When people see me, do they know that God's good? But if that's not you this morning, and if you felt like I kind of referred to you whenever I was talking about the world, and we can really just move into a place of and just doing business with God right now. We, we can bow our heads, we can close our eyes because we just really want to be paying attention to what God's saying right now to you in your heart. You can hear me a little bit, but he's saying something to you and you can hear that. So listen to that. But if you felt like I kind of referred to you this morning whenever I referred to the world, whenever I talked about the people that's not born again, if that's you, man, ask you do you occasionally see something reflected off of people there's a couple people there's one or two people in your life and occasionally you see something in them a reflection of God man and you know that it's in them but you also know that it's not them it's something else really you know it's God and really I think if you're in here this morning I think that you know it's God God said he, that, that he makes himself known and then he gives us an opportunity to, to respond so maybe you hadn't responded yet but maybe this is the morning maybe this is the time where you can respond to to God how he's presented himself to you. If that's you this morning, we're going to pray in just a moment. But you, you want to be born again. You want to be his. You want to be empowered. You've been stuck long enough. How awesome would it be to live a life that's actually alive? If that's you this morning, we're going to pray in just a moment. But if that's you, we want to pray with you. And if you would, just slip your hand up. Our ushers are going to slip a packet into your hand. We want to give you some information. So if you don't know Christ this morning, you feel like you're living alone on the earth, or maybe, maybe you're living in the crowd on the earth, and you occasionally get to see a glimpse of the moon, how beautiful. And you know that there's a good God out there somewhere. And you'd like to make him Lord of your life this morning, you can slip your hand up. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in this place this morning. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. God, and beyond your word, I thank you for the power, for the life of your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that has marked us, sealed us, guaranteeing that you're faithful and you're coming back for us. We just thank you and we worship you and we bless you in Jesus' name. For uh, all of our first-time guests, if you filled out a, a card from the chair in front of you, you can give that to one of the ushers on your way out, uh, hand it to any one of us. 
And please don't forget to grab a gift bag on your way out. We just want to show you that we love you and we care, and we're glad that you come join us this morning. Y'all have a great week. Love y'all.